Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Welcome to Season 6 of the Teen Pack Podcast. Through these seven episodes, we explore the theme, Belonging, as we interview special guest speakers from Teen Pact National Convention 2022. Our topic today is, We Belong to God. Quinn will be interviewing Felicia Masonheimer, who is a national best-selling author, Bible teacher, and host of the Verity Podcast. Her blog and shop, Every Woman a Theologian, teaches Christians how to know what they believe, why they believe it, and how to share their faith authentically in a post-Christian world. She lives in northern Michigan with her husband, Josh, and three children. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey, Team Pack Podcast listeners. Um, this is Quinn, and I'm really excited to be with Felicia Masonheimer. Felicia uh, spoke at National Convention, and this is at the end of that day um, where we are recording kind of a follow-up to that and wanting to invite you into kind of a further conversation. So first of all, Felicia, thank you for speaking to our students. And secondly, thank you for joining us on the Team Pack Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It was such a wonderful time. I'm glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. So um, a lot of your talk, you um, focused on the concept of identity, and uh, we'll get into that in a moment, but the thing that struck me first um, was that, that you came right out of the gate and talked about theology, um, and, you know, you kind of referenced how, you know, you think of, like, somebody with leather-bound books, and, like, it's, like, only a certain type of person um, that could, you know, call themselves a theologian, Right. Can you kind of describe um, what you were what you were explaining in the talk of how theology really shapes so much more than just the study of God? Like at the base level, that's what theology is, but there's a there's a much greater sense that you were kind of describing. Can you kind of explain that to us? Yeah, I think we do tend to put theology in a box and and believe that it's for those who are going into ministry, becoming pastors, but in reality, everyone already has a theology. We already have a view of God, and that view of God alters how we behave, how how we make our choices, and how we live our lives. It even alters how we view ourselves. So theology really is the study of the nature of God, but it also has a direct impact on the the daily life we live within that understanding. Gotcha. Yeah, that led in really, really well, I think, to talking about identity. First of all, you kind of identified where a lot of people misplace identity, um, looking into other places, um, other relationships, other kind of things in culture. Um, where have you seen that, you know, play out and where is it perhaps most damaging to kind of find your identity elsewhere? I think that is, you know, differs person to person. You know, there are people who find their identity in relationships. And I spent a lot of time talking about that in our time together, but you can also find your identity in your work. You could find your identity in your grades or your school achievements. You could even find it in your family and the approval of your family or the approval of people around you. You know, it can look different depending on what you personally value. But the problem is when we allow ourselves to create an idol out of that thing. We, we allow ourselves to justify what we value and, and to worship what we value instead of finding our identity in Christ. I, I think like a lot of our 
teen packed young people would say, yes, that's true. Um, if I, if I place my value in other things, I know I need to be placing that in Christ, but I guess I want to think even further into like, what does that functionally look like? Like what is that functional idolatry, if you will, look like, like, you know, for a young person who's um, perhaps on their phone a lot mm-hmm. um, or watching shows, certain music, whatever it might be, there's a lot of like cultural influence and kind of participation. And uh, our CEO, Peter Martin, and I were having a conversation the other day because a key part of our Teen Pack mission statement is to train youth to engage the culture at a time in their lives when typically they wouldn't care about such things. And we were kind of discussing, well, aren't our students engaging the culture more now than they were 20 years ago? And to a degree, the the answer that we came to was yes. But um, when it comes to how we're engaging, I don't know that it's always kind of a sanctified, um, gospel-transformed engagement. And so what would that look like to still be engaging those sorts of things? Like maybe you're still on your phone a good bit, you're on social media, et cetera, et cetera. But how do we do that in a healthy way where we're not attaching like identity things to that? That's a great question. And I think what you're describing is passive engagement versus active engagement. A passive engagement is when I'm letting the world teach me. I'm letting the world educate me. I'm letting the world tell me what to value. And my emotions are dictated by whether or not I get what I want from social media or from other people or from a dating relationship or whatever it is. Whereas active engagement Um, can only happen, I believe, when you are secure in who you are in Christ. And then you can actively and boldly talk to people in your culture. You can be on social media. You can even watch stuff and listen to music that's, you know, part of our culture. But you're doing that from a place that is grounded in an unchanging reality of who you are. You are a saint in Christ. You are saved in him. You are preserved you are made a new person. And because of that grounded identity, you can engage your culture. You can even, you know, you have the freedom to listen to different things, to watch different things, to talk to your friends about the lives they're living. But you're not doing it from a place of passive participation. You're doing it from a place of active engagement. That's excellent. I really love what you're talking about there with active engagement, because I think when we're training our young leaders at Teen Pact, we're trying to, to help them embody the kind of values or the kind of character that, that Christ himself shows us. And sometimes that can be difficult because it feels like culture is this monsoon <laughs> that's raining down um, something totally different. I guess I, I'm, I'm feeling like the identity that students wrap themselves up in maybe is somehow detached where their their inner life um, is not formed in Christ-like character. And so therefore their outer life, they might, they might be able to put on some sort of a, you know, a good Christian girl, good Christian boy sort of view and other people see that, but it's not authentic and it's not genuine. And I guess I'd love to hear about kind of your experience because I know that you've not only struggled, but then come to the other side of struggle and feel really confident in your convictions. And, and now you teach with that kind of confidence. And I would love to impart that to some of our students, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. So my testimony, I did grow up in a Christian home. 
I had wonderful Christian parents. I was exposed to pornography through a book at a yard sale when I was 12. Um, so it was a completely by accident, completely out of my parents' control. And that spawned an addiction that went on for almost 10 years. Most of that time it was in secret. I didn't feel like I could tell my parents and I don't think that was necessarily my parents' fault because I love them and they were very kind. Um, but there's just so much shame when you encounter something like that, especially when you haven't been exposed to a lot of sexual content. You don't know what to do with it. And so it quickly became the secret and it quickly became um, like most addictions do, the more secretive, the easier it is for it to grow, the easier it is for it to put down really dark roots. But through that experience, I realized how desperately I needed salvation. Up to that point, I had been really resistant to the gospel. I was really resistant to church, resistant to Christianity as a whole. And it was through, you know, recognizing just how desperate I was to get free from this that I came to Christ when I was 15. But even when I became a Christian, that struggle didn't end overnight. And I think that was a huge theological hurdle for me in my teen years because I thought, well, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to stop sinning, right? And how do I know that I'm forgiven if I repented and then I um, sin again in the same way? And these are huge theological questions that I was wrestling with and trying to find an answer for. And so I went to the word and I read as many books as I could to try to find an answer to those questions. And what I learned slowly over those years was that your salvation is secure in Christ. He secures that for you. And our sin, it can be forgiven by him because of what he did on the cross. And what that means is that when I sin, like 1 John 1, 9 says, he is faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I can run back to him and repent. It does not matter how many times. And the, the fact of my repentance, truly embracing God's love for me, truly accepting his forgiveness, that's what cuts the power of an addiction. That's what cuts the power of sin. It was this hiding it in the dark and running away from accountability and running away from exposing it that kept me addicted. And the more I brought it to the light, the more freedom I found. And so it has been a beautiful story to see that though it took time, I did find freedom from that. It, I, I did have to set up significant boundaries. Yeah. Um, I couldn't go to a movie theater for a long time because I didn't know what I would see on the screen. I couldn't read fiction because I didn't know what scenes I'd encounter. You know, that was a period of time where I had to make those choices to align with who I was in Christ in order to walk in holiness. But God set me free. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a hope that we can all have. He wants us to be free from shame. That's his goal. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate that you, you know, kind of were willing to share that because when you shared that at National Convention, um, you shared with, with me afterward that that there were a lot of students that even came up to you and were willing to kind of confide that, Hey, that's an, that particular sin is a struggle for me. And then when like somebody who's like at the height of leadership in their eyes says, Hey, like these are like real talk, you know, these are things that we go through and that I go through. Um, I think that just really invites them into this theme of belonging. And I want to circle back to something that you said about, how, um, how we engage with culture, whether that's passive or active. 
and kind of tie that into kind of our personal character formation. Because it seems like our character formation also could perhaps be passive or active. Especially as young people, we kind of assume that by doing the Christian things, we're actively working on sanctification. Like if you go to church on Sunday, maybe even if you serve at church on Sunday, maybe you go to a youth group or a college ministry. And it's kind of like if you walk the walk, then that'll, that'll kind of check, the all, check all the boxes. But it seems like Christians, maybe of any age, but certainly young people really get frustrated when they've done all the right things, God, and the answer is still struggle. The answer is not not getting over said addiction. Um, And so what would you say to young people who are kind of in that place where they feel like they're doing the right things, but that freedom that you're describing just isn't there? Oh, that's a great question. And I remember feeling that way. Like, God, why don't you just take this desire away or, or just let me get married and that'll fix it, you know, but that won't fix it. In my case, you know, my husband and I both, both brought sexual wounds to our marriage and, you know, being married didn't fix that. They still had to be dealt with. And so I think we can tend to look for things other than God to fix those things when we're feeling frustrated. And that isn't the answer. I think in those moments when it feels like this is still a struggle, I always turn to John 16, 33, where Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble or tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome the world. I love that verse because he's promising you're going to have trouble. That trouble might be outside and it might be inside. It might be things that you struggle with, but I have overcome the world. And it's like in first John two, where John says, you have already overcome. Sometimes the overcoming is in the, the fighting of a repeated battle. And it doesn't mean that you're not winning because you're still fighting. And I think that's a, we tend to say, oh, if I get to this plateau of victory and I'm never struggling again, that's when I'll know that I've won. But in reality, the fact that you are fighting and you're walking in the spirit and you're walking with the Lord, that is in itself a victory. And recognizing that I think is um, both encouraging and it's empowering to continue. And then just praying like, Lord, um, empower me to victory in this area and making sure you're accountable to people who are helping you, whatever it is that the struggle is. You know, I think God does want victory and he does offer it for us, um, but we can't do it alone and we can't do it without prayer. And we also have to acknowledge the fight that we're already fighting. That's amazing. I wonder, given kind of your work and ministry, um, that, you know, what? how would you describe the need for young people to be engaged, not just with um, saintly things, shall we say, um, but with theology. You know, you have um, your your group, your company now that is every woman a theologian, and you have a bunch of different resources that you're putting out, and they seem all to be quite excellent from what I can tell. But it seems like there's a major driving force there that says, hey, let's connect theology to every part of life. Can you kind of describe that? Yeah, I think, and we talked about this during the convention um, talk that I gave, theology is already a part of our lives. Everyone already has a theology. The question is whether it's a biblical theology. Does it line up with God? what God says about himself? We already have assumptions about God that we pick up from our parents or from past experiences, 
painful things that have happened to us. And those things have to be checked against scripture to see if that theology is right. And so we already have one. The question is, will I check that against the Bible to see, is this a biblical theology? And the other thing is that most people are not going to go into ministry. They're not going to be a pastor. And yet those are the people who are getting degrees in, in theology. Those are the people who are studying it. And so what that tells me is there's a gap um, between the people who are getting educated in theology and the people who need it, which is everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> I hear you. So that's why we do what we do. That's why we we try to give theological truths in a very accessible way at Every Woman a Theologian, and we provide it for young men too um, because I truly believe that it is for everyone. You know, when you're sitting across the table from someone who says that all paths can lead to God, your answer is a theological answer. Why is Jesus the only way? And who said that he was? And why can you trust it? Those are theological questions. We have to be able to answer those questions in today's world, which means every person really is a theologian. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I love that because that connects so much with what we're doing at Teen Pack. We're trying to to help students have that kind of courage to have those conversations because I think the, the flip side of that is not just that you might... Um, you know, you have some sort of uh, theological answer to that, 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 you know, proposed question, but that you might choose to not even have that conversation or not even respond to the friend or family member that says that. And that's that kind of passive engagement that we're, we're trying to identify and say, no, like, that's not what we're called to as believers. Like there's an active participation. There's a responsibility to go to the word and let that shape you. And I think that's, that's a really great place to kind of end our conversation um, but before we, we go, um, I would love for you to share about some of the resources that you're really passionate about, um, that maybe our listeners, you know, that ranges from, you know, parents of teen pactors, um, teen pactors that have already graduated and maybe are five, 10, 20 years moved on from the ministry. And then we have some younger listeners as well. But as you think about some of the resources that you're putting out, what are some, some of the most effective ones to kind of take the next step? Um, for our listeners? Well, there's a couple related to what we've talked about, um, particularly for young women who are struggling with either pornography or some kind of sexual addiction. Um, I have a book called Christian Cosmo that walks through both my testimony and then some steps to finding freedom in that area. That was our first book that we actually released with Every Woman a Theologian. And then we also have, we have almost a dozen different books that we offer. Another one is Theology Basics, and it just walks through really high level fundamentals of the Christian faith for someone who just wants to know, you know, what are the, the basics? Um, we offer Theology Basics. We offer little booklets on things like Calvinism versus Arminianism or different views of baptism or the different views of the end times. We have a Bible study verse by verse through Revelation. Um, one of my favorite products is actually a history of how the Bible was written and compiled, which might sound like a little bit of a yawner at first, <laughs> first glance, <laughs> but here's what's interesting. If we don't know why we believe the Bible, we don't really have a foundation for, for everything we teach from the Bible. And so I, when I was struggling with my own sexual addiction, I was wondering, well, why does the Bible get to tell me what to think about sex in the first place? Where did the Bible even come from? 
who handed it to us. Anyway. Yep, and yep, so 100%. that book is a product of that. It's called how the Bible came to be. And so that's just the beginning of what we offer at every woman, a theologian. And um, we do quarterly shop launches as well that offer different t-shirts and keychains and just theology themed merchandise as well. That's amazing. And then you have your Verity podcast and so many other things that you guys are putting out. So um, we'll definitely encourage our Teen Pack listeners to to check out your work. Um, thank you so much for the way that you have invested in the Teen Pack community by coming to National Convention, hopping on this podcast. I think these are the kinds of ideas and conversations and invitations to to our young people and to their parents too that really is going to expand, you know, throughout our continued growth as a ministry, our, our desires to come alongside students and to to help them belong. Yes. But that belonging can't be ultimately to, to teen pact. That needs to be to God, Mm -hmm. um, first and foremost. And then that's going to be expressed in a local community. And, and so it's fun that, you know, in the days that followed your session, we're able to get into a lot of those, those sorts of themes as well, but you just did such a good job serving us. So thanks so much, Felicia. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the teen pact podcast. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.